0: Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat hers from Faster Skier, and that is the sound of the brass band in Gomes, Switzerland, from the World Cup this weekend, recorded by our one and only guest today, a friend of mine from Anchorage, Liz Embick. We have the three of us, Devin, Liz, and I, to uh, recap what was a sunny and Salty weekend of racing on the World Cup with a number of exciting races, fun results for the U.S. team, for the Canadian team. We've got all the other news coming to you in just a hot second here. We will be back with another episode from North America. Can more World Cups come next after this one? Stay with us. Here's the sound of the women's lead pack skiing away. During the race yesterday, courtesy Eli Brown from the US Ski Team's service staff.
1: Yeah, So Sophia, come on, Rosie!
0: This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is sponsored by Solomon. The best way to create a better tomorrow is to be enthusiastic about what's coming next and prepare for what's yet to be done. Solomon has committed to a responsible tomorrow by refocusing the entire company and its operations to create responsible products with a smaller footprint on the environment. Solomon's goal is to drive change within our communities by creating more inclusive outdoor experiences, at the same time they are committed to conducting their business responsibly while delivering high performing products with the most innovative designs together we must unleash the best version of ourselves and collectively become agents of change. Solomon, tomorrow is yours. Check out Solomon's full line of skis, boots, clothing and accessories at solomon.com. So so I got to I got to jump in here to just, you know, immediately steer us back to the, the task he- at hand because no one is tuning into this podcast for uh sartorial discussion or advice. I mean, maybe they are, actually. Who um, knows? Yes. We've uh, talked about worse. <laughs> we, uh, well, okay. Devin, Liz, I want to actually properly introduce you guys here. So, uh, Liz, you may have been forced to listen to this podcast before um, by your partner. I G- actually
2: have voluntarily listened to it okay. of, of my own volition, if you can even believe it.
0: actually and and i would say Devin, uh you and and liz have some stuff in common because uh liz also is a licensed medical doctor she in fact is a surgeon here in anchorage so um but she uh she also is a friend and went and went to the uh gomes world cup this last weekend so we uh we enlisted her with with some tasks of uh, recording some some audio from the from the weekend, and I, I was great. I spent last night listening to like recordings of the brass band that was there.
1: Love it. Um,
0: and, uh, but we thought it'd be fun to have her on to give us a little little report from Switzerland. So. That
1: is very fun. I have to also interject and say, if she's a fully working surgeon. <laughs> You cannot compare that to someone that's just getting repeatedly kicked in the face <laughs> as a medical student.
0: I'm... You're like a Bill Coke League surgeon.
1: Yeah. Uh, what's the, <laughs> was there like, in, in Canada, it's like jackrabbits. It's like the little five-year-olds. Like, they're kind of falling all over. They're just doing it for the hot chocolate kind of thing. That's that's where yes, I'm Yeah,
2: a lot of enthusiasm. I get to talk a lot now that- about, like, how cute the medical students are like, they're trying so hard, but they're so cute. There's like, it's like, just like a bunch of little puppies.
1: Yeah. Well then there's the three legged dog. Like that's me, you know, and it's not mm. a little puppy. It's like 12. No one's adopted him. And <laughs> everyone's like, you know what we probably should just euthanize this guy but like we're gonna keep him around
0: like he's trying yeah. and that that's me he's so. trying
2: he's trying yeah. so hard like exactly. enthusiasm goes a long way
0: yeah. i was gonna say exactly. you know what i always want from my doctor is effort and enthusiasm not competence yeah. so no, that's how do you done. become
2: competent and i feel like we all know this from like other aspects of our life is like, you need to be so enthusiastic and try so hard. And then eventually that does translate into actual skill.
1: Well, where does the cynicism come in? Like, I just like when we're pretty making... early. Okay, sweet. So it's like enthusiasm, so cynicism, then experience more cynicism. Yeah. And
2: it's, it's a little bit of a kind cycle, of you know, some days know. you're I like, I will not be learning any today. I have to be sad. And then, okay. and then, and then other days you're like, this is amazing. And then eventually get to a point where like both of those states can exist at once.
1: I love it. And then next thing you know, you're in Goms, Switzerland, not operating in the darkness of Anchorage.
2: True. So True. You've been, you've been returning yeah. for four years and then they give you a lot of vacation and then you go mm-hmm. skiing in Switzerland. Man, that so there like is cool. a light at the end of the tunnel. This too could be you. <laughs> <Oof>.
0: <laughs> I need a walker should should we uh should we start with that liz Embick? you got on on, on, like four planes and trains and took yourself to Gome, switzerland and like what did you find there
2: yeah four three three planes three planes and two three three trains maybe and uh we found ourselves at the end of the valley which i think is kind of in the middle of the nowhere we found a lot of people in Switzerland who, like, never heard of it. In Geneva, they were like, we met some lo- locals and like, where are you going? We're like, we're going to Goms. And they're like, we don't we don't know where that is. <laughs> what are you talking about? Are you mispronouncing it? We're like, I don't think so. So um, I think it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And you take this train, and you take this other train, and then you go up, 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 up. It's like a special mountain train. And then you end up in a magical winter wonderland full of uh, Swiss chalets and snow and skiing. And... Gruyere. And Gruyere. A lot, a lot of Gruyere. <laughs> um, um Yeah
0: and and you guys were uh you were there with other friends from Alaska and you guys observed two days of racing and and what was two
2: and a half days we 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 got to see the relay and we got to see the sprints on Saturday and then we got to see the women's 20 k, but we missed the men's 20 k because we had to go to our next adventure.
0: You were there for the right 20 k, it sounds like.
2: I mean it was an important one. We were like 100 meters away from the the finish. The famous, the one and only the one and only finish from Sunday.
0: And and I, I mean do you want to also just describe the vibe of like it seemed like it was a pretty good time at these like just I mean was it everything stereotypically Swiss that you would expect like with just lots of chocolate and good cheer and Cheese.
2: There was lots of chocolate, lots of good cheer. There were lots of little booths right kind of around the start and the finish with all sorts of delicious treats. There's pastries. There was cappuccino. There was cappuccinos with Baileys and also whipped cream both.
0: Ba- Baileys so a was- noted Swiss uh, a, a noted Swiss liqueur.
2: Right, I, right, absolutely. There was um, there was fondue, but in bread. So they like drilled a hole in a baguette, and then poured molten cheese with yes. a ladle into the baguette. Um, there was something. There was a whole tent with like f- delicious food from the area that included something called cholera, like cholera. the disease.
1: I don't want
2: that. Um, that. Some people may have heard of, I guess. Uh, but it's like a, it's a pastry. Pastries is, is key. And then there's cheese, also key. And then a couple of vegetables, maybe.
1: Leeks and onions. Leeks
2: and onions. Potatoes. And potatoes. But basically it was like some veggies with a lot of cheese surrounded in pastry that is local as a region and that they call cholera. And it was delicious.
0: Thought there I was was a- cholera
2: i don't know why they call it that i have no idea i highly recommend
1: you know like Hmm? it said swiss cholera hits different that's like that's that's this like rich cholera so you know like all the the, in the 1800s in 1800s britain they're like what is it what our cholera is like killing a bunch of people because our well water <laughs> was a disaster. Your cholera is like a culinary delight in the Swiss Alps. Like, what happened here?
2: What happened? It, it got bastardized as it moved north, I guess, yeah, but uh, exactly. highly satisfying. And,
1: and super local, old recipe to
2: the region. Yeah, that's very, very local, like to the to the upper region of like Valais, which art, is Artisan,
0: artisan cholera artisan, artisan.
2: Yeah, like, artisan artisanal artisanal for artisanal
0: sure.
2: served by very pleasant swiss men with amazing white mustaches
0: i like it That um, spoke
2: very little english
0: and and before we get into like the meticulous breakdown of, of the, the race results like any observations about like the snow the courses like it did seem like generally speaking the race courses were sort of death traps i don't know if you got to ski them at all
2: we did not get to ski the courses at all we got to ski some in the valley there's a trail or a couple trails that go along the bottom of the valley for like 20k and you can ski along the bottom of the valley and then you can take a train back to the top um so you feel real fast um because you never have to do any uphill so that's amazing but the The courses themselves were super icy. And then as they warmed up, I think they turned into a little bit of corn soup. Um, So you could definitely watch the racers like skitter the quarters in the morning. And then by the end, they were having to like step them because it was just like mush. So uh, yeah, pretty icy, like spring conditions. I felt like, march out basically but once the sun hit that side of the valley it just like went from cold you wanted a puffy coat to like wanting a t-shirt and needing to put on sunscreen and sunglasses and everything um so some of those corners were like pretty impressive they were kind of fun to watch because there were some pretty brutal wipeouts that were a little bit uh, yeah Fun, fun as a spectator, but maybe, like, less fun as a racer, I think. Being like, oh, okay, got to come to the stadium and not just biff it out the corner. Broken skis. Um, yeah, the skiing was nice and fast. And uh, we actually got to ski from our hotel, which was, like, three kilometers up from the course uh, every day down to go watch. And then we just like stash our skis somewhere. They had a couple of ski racks around. So it probably took us like maybe 20 minutes from our, from our hotel down to the course.
0: Wow. This sounds like you should be like a, like we should be like a ski travel agency show or something. Cause this just, I
2: think yes, I think yes. And you could just send people to GOMS and then that would, that would be a good start.
0: So, so my last question and then Devin, I don't know if you want to chime in here, but um is just like, okay, so did you also make any unique or, or interesting observations of, uh, individual athletes that, you know, you, you feel like you could share with us, or was it just sort of like, you know, you were there watching the, the races and
2: um i think like one thing that was very noticeable is how much enthusiasm there was for the swiss athletes like i think my ears are still ringing from the the swiss cowbells and chainsaws and cheering anytime as swiss athletes went by it just just went absolutely absolutely nuts there was all these buses that that had come up with various like people had nadine across their hats or you know things like that where they there was just an incredible amount of enthusiasm for getting to watch these these swiss athletes race
1: yeah no but that sounds cool i mean like i just think it's always really cool to go to different places that like and that they have a that they have a chance like that they have like a chance to host big big races like that because i know Gomes has had like open cups or whatever like the b circuit races yeah, quite a few times but like yeah like I said I've never gone never been to Gomes and like the atmosphere looked pretty sweet
2: yeah it seems like it's a kind of a hidden away place we're currently in Chamonix and like it's only it's a four-hour train ride uh up and over pat like basically we're one valley over and like nobody's heard of it over here either yeah, um cool. which is incredible we ran into um Ben Ogden's fan club who had matching sweatshirts and uh they were over there ski touring so Sweet. in Gomes, fan- yeah, they said it was fantastic. So who knew? Who knew? Like, like uh, I guess a lot of people, but not us.
0: Well, um, Liz, do you want to stick around for these race breakdowns or do, should we let you, uh, you know, get your beauty sleep before your, you know, next day of Chamonix ski touring or what do you think?
2: Um, well, maybe I'll let you guys uh, do the race breakdowns on your own. We got a lot of beauty sleep to uh, to do over here.
0: All right. Well, now that the fun part's out of the way, we've got some yeah. real work to do. Three, three sets of races. Sorry, I had to dip here, but you know, I've, no done. No I'm getting back to it. So we got. Should we start? We I think we can be pretty quick with this mixed team relay. Although I, you know, it I wa- I watched all the races this weekend, so I'm I'm prepared for a robust discussion.
1: Yeah, I think I think uh, you know, we actually got some pretty cool feedback or like some interesting emails, uh, come, come in the pipes over the the mixed relay. And I loved it. I mean, we've talked about this before. If if people want to know how Nat and I feel about like the mixed gendered relay, just go back into the catalog and, and listen to like one of our tangent talks about how awesome this event is at that time, because in watching this mixed gendered relay, you're just like, this, what the fuck are you doing with gendered relays with like nine teams when no US has two teams and Sweden has two teams and Norway has two teams? Like the single gendered relay on the World Cup, you gotta kill it. It's garbage. Like it's not exciting. It, 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 like even when they tried to make that last men's relay, which was, yeah, exciting because everyone stuck together, right? And started going zone two. And like, I guess it probably is an exciting kind of television production that many teams could win and, and seeing if Klebo last weekend could outsprint the field uh, was, was some sort of a, some excitement, but at the end of the day, these relays, like people are skipping them. We talked about that a lot where I want to get into that a little bit too, with the Americans again, skipping the relays. Um, because like. And then there was a lot of media about um, Pierre Mignoty, actually, who's the head of the French Ski Federation, like kind of throwing shade at the cross-country ski community, essentially saying, like, everyone likes to blame Fist, but no one wants to give up their home World Cup. No one wants to give up any rights to production. And then people stop racing and don't do the races. And then everyone looks to Bathlon and says, well, how come Bathlon's doing it so much better when, all these teams are just doing in their self-interest. And Matt actually had to respond to it. It was, a, it was a good discussion. I think it's an important discussion. But I think the future of World Cup team events, especially in a distance relay, they lie with this this format. Because the, the, the history of the gendered relays, let's keep those for the Olympics and the World Championships, because that has like a hundred-year history. Like, don't kill that. But on the World Cup, the World Cup's really not that old, if we're being totally honest. And especially I'm sorry to say this cause I know we'll get blowback, but like, especially on the women's side of the gendered relays, there's under 10 teams starting them. Like it, it, it this is a, a nightmare for a quote unquote international sport. Like it's not an international sport when you have nine to 11 teams starting your gendered relay. So mixed gender relay, I thought it was really exciting as well. I think, I think on paper, uh, you could have called who was going to win it. I mean, everyone, the odds-on favorite was Sweden. They, they brought out the big guns. You know, you had Poroma, Frida Carlson, and Lindsvon. I mean, those are the big yeah, guns. A,
0: a, a, when Ebba Anderson is on the B team, you know yeah. you're really cooking with gas. You're cooking with gas here, and that's what makes it kind of fun. Like, I, I, I wanted to poo-poo the 5K,
1: you know? Like, oh, man, like, the 5K, like, what is this? It's not really a diss. But you know what? It's fun to watch. It's over quickly. It's an easy narrative. And it goes male, female, male, female. So yeah, it, it turned out to be like quite, a, quite an amazing race. I thought, I actually thought after how good Frieda Carlson was in Oberhof and, and skiing, really like her really coming into her form. I, th- I almost thought that the, with poor, the poor Carlson one, two punch with with some kind of weaker, weaker teams that they just walk away with. It. And they didn't, it was exciting. So they, they, they kept it close. And Sweden has two teams that go one, two in this. So if there's ever shots fired this (laughs) as like a, a flex because the men for Sweden, again, this season have left something to be desired slash the 90 plus year history of international skiing on the men's side that Sweden's had until this cliff they've fallen over over the last few seasons, other than Aporama or, you know, Edvin Anger. There's some, there's some light Edinburgh spots in there. Right there. Yeah. They have some moments, but not, not the stability. So I actually thought it was a great event. And I mean, Norway, you look at the names on Norway, it's like Clebo's not doing it, but again, no anchor leg, right. For, and his, his form was a bit, Unsure uh, after Oberhof, at least, but that was quickly quelled uh, <laughs> later on in this week. But, you know, you have Nianga and Kruger, but on the women's side of things, the Norwegian women's team, I don't know if you want to get, we probably can leave that on the cutting room floor. But but the fact of the matter is, like, you've never had a team with so many stars that aren't racing right now on the women's team in Norway. It's a fiasco. Well, you know, Palvo's not there. Boston's home hasn't raced this year. Bengel, Luke Osberg hasn't raced this year. Heidi skipping this one. Like you,
0: you, you have She's no. Uh, Austria or Slind. Like
1: yeah, yeah. I'd been sick for like over two weeks, and then tried to make a run at the Longa because she actually is on a, which is a marathon event. One of the one of the kind of like the the uh, monuments in the ski classic circuit. There's three big, big, big events, and Longa is the first one. Think of it like a Grand Slam in tennis type thing. Uh, so she she was over there trying to trying her hand in that and so so they didn't have like the best best team of course on the women's side here in in gomes but at the same time when two teams beat norway oof, there's a lot of ink being being wasted in the tabloids and papers in norway of like what is the women's team going to do here what's happening and i think i think it needs to be discussed uh in greater detail well, but as far as the mixed relay I thought they also held their own i thought it was exciting i i loved it even though it is sweden sweden norway you look at the podium and you're like oh my god like this 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 sounds boring but but it's but it wasn't it was it was fun to see i mean
0: i feel like i felt that way about the racing all weekend it's like you really could yeah. kind of boil down all the weekend racing to like it's scandinavia and jesse diggins and you know jules Lapierre. here but honestly oh, like awesome. all the races were The races were riveting this weekend, like just super, super fun to watch. And, uh, you know, the one thing I want to say about those Norwegian women is like, I feel like, man, it must suck to be on the Norwegian women's team right now. Because just all they are getting right now is look how terrible we are compared to, to past history. And it's like, you know, these these are athletes just trying to. Totally best, and you know they all, you know, some of them have capacity to be on the podium, and some of them like are at the beginning of their careers, and you know, feeling compelled to apologize to on behalf of the country for failure. Sure, it's like what I what I think they should be doing every weekend is like send the athletes with like a shield through the mixed zone, and then have like the head of the Norwegian Ski Federation go out there to take it on the chin from the press because it's really you know, it's really on them, I think, to at least to a large degree. But um yeah, no, but it is true. Like, like, as
1: before we move on to the to the sprints, I mean, uh, I or, or like, I, I agree with that. I mean, I agree in the sense that like the, the women are out taking the, the brand the athletes themselves. And like, I, I found it pretty. I, it's brutal. But a top sport is brutal. But like fastness last weekend, like apologizing to the country, it's like, Postness is on the development team. Like she's on the recruit team. She's not a world cup. Ski. She's been amazing this season, multiple top 10. She's had like a total breakout season, had horrendous skis and a bad day at the office last weekend in the gendered relay uh, where they had their worst finish in like 17 years or whatever. But like you see how much it means to the country, right? Like this is, you know, cross-country skiing is, is like football in Argentina, you know, like it's, it's a big, it's a big, big deal. And when they're underperforming, there's a lot of questions, but I agree that the Federation has to take step out and like take some of this criticism head on. And they've done a poor job of that of late in Norway. And it's it'll be interesting to follow that story as, as it goes. And before we move on to the sprints, yeah, we awesome. talk about I, I, I agree. Like it's been amazing. It's been, it was fun. It was fun. week of racing. Actually. I thought it was some riveting stuff. Um again, like the big guns for the US choose not to do the relay. And it's hard. It's hard because like we talked a little bit about that last weekend, and you and I were totally in agreement last weekend to skip the relay. That's just how it is. There's a lot of racing. Rosie and, and Jesse are racing week in, week out. They're doing every single individual race, which is something that not very many other people do on the World Cup. Uh, they need a moment to like catch the breath and like, and take a time out. That said, when you say one team, we're a team, 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 team. And then back to back weekends, you're like, yeah, about the team, it can go fuck itself. And I'm going to just kind of save my energy for the individual races. I don't know, man. <laughs> like it's, 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 it's a bit of mixed messaging. Although uh, the, the athlete in me, and I'm not an athlete anymore, just so that's just so that's mentioned the athlete in me understands like Jesse is, well, she's wrapped it up. We, we, she, she's wrapped up the overall world cup long ago, but okay. She's now, she's like essentially just chasing history. Um, but at the same time you still have that like devil on your shoulder saying like every point matters and a Carlson and Ebba and Anderson, like these athletes can come on at any moment and then just start like ripping off wins and eroding my lead. And Rosie, like we talked about last weekend, is like deep into the fight for a top three in the overall World Cup finish, which is a huge achievement, like a massive achievement, no matter where you are. And and you know, you saw Rosie this weekend too, look kind of on fumes a little bit too. So like, I get it, I do get it, but it is hard to project in the modern era with social media and the whole the whole image. And then, like, leave a Ben Ogden out there drowning. Do you, you know what I mean? You know, you know I I want to. I want to give. That's my, that's my thoughts. But I bet I I get it though. But I do get it. Like these women are historic. Not just historic results. They are so beyond historic. And you have to manage your energy. And I'm sorry. Like we don't have. This, we I'm not American. The Americans or the Canadians, for that matter, they do not have the depth of a Norway or Sweden. to deep the catalog, so. But still, still, it's for shit.
0: And and you know what? Like, I I gotta say, it dude, like, we're not we're not shit talking Claybo for not racing. Who's like, you know, saying he's a little bit on edge. I have I have I thought about it a lot. I kind of equivocate on it a little bit but I I think I lean over and fall off on the side of those two women on this one, because here is the thing like, yeah, you know, they do do that social media talk about team, but also like there's nowhere in the social media, like statements about team where there's like a specific, like binding clause in the contract of your social media post that says like, I'm going to race in a relay, even if it might be detrimental to me. And I think two, two things, one, all the stuff about Jesse and Rosie contesting the overall world cup. Uh, also they've got to be really their priority at this point, I think is, and should be Minneapolis because that is going to be something that like keeps us skiing going for decades, you know, like that. And, and those guys both need to be jamming at that race. And so I think, that being their focus and also knowing Jesse was like, you know, beat up after the tour to ski with like the rib injury and all that. I'm like, you know what, I, 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 it sucks, it sucks. It sucks as a spectator and as a fan, but I think it's the right call. The other thing I would say again, and I said this last week is, you know, if we want the athletes and we wanna create like incentive for them to be doing these races, like I think it is hard in a relay slash team event because, you know, there's are small teams where it's like, you may not be able to like field a relay or a competitive relay. And like, what is the right tool to use to like put points on that or something to like reward participation, but there's something, there is a solution there. And I think FIS has not done anything to, you know, use as kind of a lever to, to, force athletes or or at least you know encourage them more strongly to do these races and i you know i don't think it's a crisis like we still have good races this weekend but i do think like there are tools that can be brought to bear to make those events like more more compelling and and like kind of a must-do for the athletes so that that's my personal take on that issue no, and I think it, it's a good take. And, and l- let me be
1: crystal clear. Uh, if I was in Jesse or Rosie's position, I probably would have also sat out both these relays with transatlantic travel coming down the pipes, a- an opportunity especially for Jesse, not, not, not only for Jesse, but let, like nothing against Rosie and the rest of the Americans. But Jesse is born and raised in this area. She's 32 years old she's wearing the yellow bib as the leader of the overall World Cup and there's a 10K skate. I mean, hello. This is the one opportunity of a lifetime for Jesse to race on the courses that she skied when she's five years old. And I I traveled with Alex. It was it would have been fun to have him on again this weekend because like, he got to experience that. I mean, I dated Chandra Crawford for 10 years. I mean, she won her first World Cup in Camor, Alberta, you know what I mean? At home with her dad filming it. Like this, this is like magical stuff. That's, that's going to stay with you when you're 70 kind of thing. Like this, this is really meaningful, deeply meaningful. And actually like must feel so trippy. I mean, the world cup ain't coming to Sudbury, Ontario. I'll tell you that much. So, so that was never going to be in the cards for me, but like, I couldn't imagine the feeling of like, wow, I was five years old learning to ski here or like seven or, or, and then I was 12 and I I had the dream, the spark lit in me that I want to give my life to this and try and, and all these dreams and mentors. And then now I get to race with the yellow bid at home. I mean, you're getting no argument from me. The only thing, and then I have to have a rebuttal with Klebo. Klebo has never really been accused of the biggest team player in the Norwegian speed lexicon here after uh, you know, going on his own and ditching the team and doing his own thing that like we had a great podcast on that earlier and stuff like that. So it, it, it's like, uh, do different rules apply to different racers? Uh, actually. Yeah, they kind of do. Um, but I was, I, I'm just saddened that even when this is trying things like a gendered relay, which makes it more exciting, gets more teams able to compete at the highest level, the big guns of the U S it just this year, just how it works. It's like, they're like, yeah, that's cool. All our social media presence of like team is everything. And, and, uh, but now we're just skipping all team events because yeah, it's not in the self-interest for our season, which is totally fair. And I agree with it as a, as an athlete, but it, it, but we have to say, like you said yourself just now for the product, for the fist product and what they're trying to do, it's not a good look. Let's move on to the sprints, and I love the men's sprint. I want you to introduce it. Let's go start with the men's sprint because man, what a sprint! It was awesome.
0: Yeah, totally. No, I mean I I thought uh, both of these both of these sprints were completely lit, and um, man, I you know okay. First of all, I think we can start with like these American dudes. Um, were skiing like ballers, uh, in their quarterfinal heats. And also honestly, like kind of skiing, like ballers in their semifinal heats too. And just kind of like, these were, I, I do think like these were tight and treacherous courses all, all weekend. And, you know, you saw Ben Ogden kind of get just run out of room, boxed out, uh, get knocked off, off his feet at, at the end there. And, and JC Schoonmaker just not white having the the juice to to squeak into the final but you know those guys i mean they they skied in their quarterfinals like they owned it i think you heard i think from one of them but it really applies to both that you know really shows how far those guys have come have come that they you know get bounced out they may get into the semis and get bounced out and it's sort of a disappointment because like they should have been in the finals like you know and to have two americans like in that position is it's awesome, and then I I just think the um you know the the finals were uh, the, having like these these three Norwegian guys uh, skiing really well all day, and and I thought um Taugbol was like on fire this weekend. It was really awesome to see him uh, skiing well. Shaanabat like just perfectly set up the 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 duel between him and Klebo uh, in the final. I mean Shaanabat I, I feel like has been. You know, really at like a new level of consistency this year. Um, and just, you know, nice to see. I mean, you kind of knew what was gonna happen at the end of the race where like he leads out the entire thing and the fastest man in the world is just kind of comfortably sitting there behind you the entire time. Uh, but still, it just, I mean, it was it good race, good course, good atmosphere. Um uh nice to see a Swiss guy in the finals. I don't know what what were what did you what were your take homes?
1: Yeah. I think, I think a lot of those take homes, uh, I'll just kind of echo, uh, we'll start with the Americans because I, I totally agree. And, and, and this is the fire that these guys have. And this like, so American spirit, like this, like they have that American swagger in spades and, and in a little bit different ways. Like JC has a different vibe than like a Ben Ogden that has a different vibe than Gus, but they're all coming together, putting on these like phenomenal performances. I want to tip my hat to Schumann to Gus too. Like, like Gus makes the quarters again. Like he's in these sprints. Like Gus is no sprinter, man. Like, I'm sorry. I know he's been in, I know he is now, but like historically speaking, like I think this success breeds success thing. That's happening is something phenomenal. I, I, it was really heartbreaking to see Ben get taken out really. Like, I mean, Richard, Juve moved in on him where there was no room to move in on him, but it was so icy. Like you said, and this course was a spectator friendly course, but as a racer, like watching it, I mean, I, I-, I was having like heart palpitations watching It's like, uh, as a racer, I probably would have hated this thing because it- it- it's icy. There was barely any straightaways on the course. It seemed dangerous, honestly. It was like athletes- dangerous. Yeah, like, but it, that's what makes it so exciting to watch as a spectator. But as a racer themselves, it just, I, when there's like things are kind of left up to chance type thing. And I felt like with Ben, like, oh, that is such a bummer. A guy qualifies third in a skate sprint and he's up with the big boys and skiing super well and really had nowhere to go. He had no chance to stay on his feet there. I mean, like, what are you going to do? And, and like you said, JC, like just not quite fast enough to make the final, but still in the final itself, just to echo what you're saying, but like a bit more nuanced, like Valerio Grant also skis this final, like, like with that American swagger I'm talking about going toe-to-toe, passing claybo He doesn't care. Like, on that climb, like, going for it. And, like you said, Sean went, like, all out from the first meters. And, and seeing all the guys kind of on the limit, like, it, it was a real dogfight. And a lot of these male sprint men's sprints have been, like... I mean, claybo wins pretty much all of them, but it's almost like a... A procession like you're just kind of like yeah and then no one has the guts to try anything and they're just kind of looking at each other and then Klebo wins and then they're fighting it out for the scraps this was not that like valerio gron attacked that thing like i'm gonna medal at home and I- I'm I-, I that's i'm going all all in and he just wasn't good enough because like you said tugboat who is like like hovard who is like has a gun to his head here like it- it- it, on the norwegian men's sprint team like you cannot have seasons like Tugbo's having and like say, I'm going to have a career next year. Like you need to deliver podiums and you saw it in the quarterfinal right away. Like you said, there was like a fire in his eyes. It's like, I am in good shape. This course suits me, all these corners, punchy course. This is mine and, and secures a podium spot. And I thought you, you made it sound like maybe people didn't watch it, but like you made it sound like, yeah. And then Sean just leads them out. And then of course, Claybo beat him, but like, no man 0.08. This was like, Shanaba was so close, so, so, so close to nipping, to nipping Claybo. is that all, all the excitement. So I, I, I absolutely love the men's sprint and we can move on to the women's sprint. Cause I also love that. I guess I can just well, take that one right away. do
0: you have something else to, to add. Yeah. Just quickly. I mean, um, I thought just to emphasize, like. The performances across the board like this season from switzerland have been so good and i just like you know Grand getting in, in that final with Feindrich also in the women's final we can talk about that but it just felt like the perfect year for the world cup to like come to this like new place in switzerland and really like get some attention um and then the other thing I just I thought Valness um Valness was fit you know we've that that's like you imagine he's got to be disappointed in that based on kind of the blistering first half of the season that he's had and the thing that just shocks me is that like they they parked him for for the distance race on Sunday which is like you know Valness has one distance race is on the tour to ski and it just I mean I get it like you've got these other Norwegian guys but like man that just shows you again um how hard it is to like keep those spots in those starts on the Norwegian team like just for Val totally. to not get a start after that like you know being in the sprint final dynamite and distance all year is crazy oh, um, totally and you know like you know like the, the the
1: people deep in the weeds will say like oh yeah but he's not so good in skating it's like it's a mass start on a course that you know is going to stay together and we'll get to the 20K. But you, you knew it. You just look at the course. You know no one's going to blast away and, like, get away by a ton. Like, there's a lot of points that Valnes leaves on the table because he's also in the hunt for the overall World Cup. And it is so, so difficult for the men in Norway to just get even, like, starts. And the same thing happened earlier with Amundsen not doing sprints because, like, I mean he you know, at the time you're like, well, there's probably six better sprinters. It's like, yeah, but Robinson is leading the overall world cup and has been on the podium in a sprint. And you're still going to sit him in sprints. And like, yeah, because in Norway to thread that needle is just so, so tight. And it's, it's it's yeah i mean it's a good problem to have as a country but in the individual side of things like yeah my heart goes yeah. out to him and i mean you saw i also think it's interesting that like volness is like disappointed at the end like you can kind of see with his body language and he tried like he was trying to make space for himself i thought he skied an amazing semi-final to get him into the final and in the final he just wasn't at the same level and he's just like kind of like disappointed it's, like the guy has been on fire this season and it's easy to cheer for him i hope I think it's going to be really hard for him to hold off a, a Klebo for the Sprint Globe. But man, what a story it would be for the big man from Northern Norway to to secure the Sprint Globe uh, because he deserves it so far. At least this part of the season, he's been he's been very, very consistent. So a lot of storylines on the men's side of things. And it's uh, it's 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 been super exciting.
0: We, we got to get on to the Swedish national yeah. championships now. Yeah.
1: yeah. But what a championship. Oh okay, dude. my Lord beat down of epic proportions. You usually see this only in men's classic sprinting. And there's Norway that does the kind of dominance that Sweden did in this sprint. They had six women. That's right. Six in the top seven and Lynn svon it, it has no weakness these days. Like she is so incredible technically tactically and the writing was almost on the wall. You saw what she did in that um, mixed relay too. We didn't talk about how Sweden won one, but like it was like when Linz Vaughn turned up the jets in the last 500 meters, of that thing, it was game over. And it would have been so cool if Sundling didn't fall there because Sundling also was having a great, great day. And I think she would have been parked. I think, she, I think she would have been parked by Lin I think so. Yeah. But that said, it, it would have been a lot tighter than it was. It, maybe not, mean, not, just, not, not Sean of a Klebo type, but maybe it would have been like some a, a f- twenty more seconds of excitement, fifteen more seconds more excitement. I don't know. But
0: Lynn's I, loved, I so, loved it. I loved it because, like, I just, I actually thought. I mean, it's such, you know, people can complain that it's Sweden, 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 but like the drama in that race, like it was awesome. I just, think, awesome. I mean, stumbling. It was. She was like kind of stumbling around already before <laughs> that. You like, you could tell she was like at the limit trying to keep up totally. with spawn, and then it was just like yeah game over and I just I like you saw her at the finish line and I like I actually like someblings I I like the way that she you know she's sporting but like you could tell she and, and she got like pipped by Docvis which is like worst case scenario at, at the at the finish line yeah. and you could just tell she was like standing there like, how did this happen? Like kind of watching her moment, her, her her three years of glory, like fading away in that moment to Lynn spawn yeah. after like, you know, there was two or three years there where we talked about this. She was going to be, she could be the next Mar Buregan. Yeah. I mean, and the
1: reason why she was getting titles like that is she's, she's on the podium in 30 K's at homo She's yeah. like, there's nothing she couldn't do. And, and she's still, still, I, I must say she did fall in the final and end up third. So it was not, it was not a tragic day, but no. really cool to see, really cool to see Dolquist. She's had a horrendous season uh, for her. Like, like absolutely horrendous. This was her first world cup podium of the season. And you saw how much that meant to her, so that was really, really fun to see. And then Frida Carlson, man, like Frida Carlson is in wicked, wicked shape. For her to be in the final with this field in a skate sprint is kind of outrageous. And. She wasn't just in the final. Like, she was there to play, and she absolutely parked in Emma Reboehm, who was unstoppable earlier in the season. And Nadine Fenwick's at home, and last season had World Cup victories in skate sprints, and she was distant early in this one and, and wasn't really a contender, but also fun to give the home crowd, like you said with Valerio Grom, um, to have Swiss athletes in the final on the home course was, was just fantastic. And Diggins, you know, like it makes a semifinal again, and you get a lot of points for these kind of things. And, 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 um, Diggins has been doing all these, all these races. And I thought this course really, really suited her. But the fact of the matter is in sprints right now on any course, sadly, or a reality when the Swedish armada is at the level that they're at, it, it's, she's just not. <laughs> she's just not as good as Lin Svon in skate sprints. I'm sorry. She's not as good as Sundling right now, right now. She has been, she's won skate sprints, but right now when they have a day, like they had uh, Diggins just isn't that good. I thought we got an email. I, I'm going to touch on a little bit, like, cause you know, my meaning on this and we've got pushback anytime we get pushback on this, but like Diggins has this habit of just like picking the fifth heat. And I, I I'm not sure. And there was like questions. We had the questions like, why is she picking the fifth heat all the time? And I'm starting to think now, and I know I was kind of curious about your perspective here. I'm starting to think now late, later, like I guess we're half into the season, but like, again, this defense of the yellow bib starts coming into play here. And that she knows in picking the fifth heat, her path to the semifinal, where you get a big points bonus for being top 10. It's, it's a kind of a path of least resistance to fight into the top 10. And yeah, if you are like, she's done this year, if she's, Skiing solid, she knows she's fit enough and strong enough to get into the final. But okay, she's a little more tired than a Ribom or a or a Linsvan and she doesn't win or she doesn't even podium. She's fourth or fifth in the final. If if you think about how her season has gone this season, especially how she's really lifted her game in distance, it's it's like well, lifted her game. I mean, she was World Cup winner in distance before too. So, uh, but regardless, she's having the best season of her career by a factor of to the power of 10, like not even, like to the power of 30. Um, but with these sprints, I'm starting to think now, it, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but she has a really, she has a really smart team around her and Cork is incredibly detail-oriented and and uh, her her coach. She, uh, it's not an accident. This is not an accident. And I think this is more a, a, a path of, a, a path for the overall World Cup. Because the fact of the matter is, if you want to win sprints, listen to me, picking the fifth heat is a stupid, stupid move. And it does not pay. And it never has paid. And the stats are crystal, crystal clear. Like this isn't just Devin's like shit talk. This is the facts. You don't pick the fifth heat. Why would you handicap yourself with 15, 20 minutes less rest than your competitors. It's it, it's outrageous, and that's why Claybo never picks any heat other than heat one. That's why Lin Svan or Sunling are never in a heat other than maybe heat three every once in a while if they have a horrible qualifier and they can't pick better. But heat five is like, that's where dreams of winning World Cups go to die, and yet with diggins to defender i really believe that this is a strategy for the overall world cup and it's been paying dividends she's been every single semi or final in, in the whole season so it's 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 paying off for her
0: last thing i want to throw in there with the sprint sammy smith from the us um it's <laughs> oh, yeah. funny because i i'm interested in profiling her when i go down to these north American races and. Uh, you know, she's been, she's been 17 and I was talking to the U S ski teams, uh, press person about it. And I was like, um, I don't know if you want to put me in touch with her parents. Cause like, she's a minor and she's like, Nope, she's not a minor anymore. She turned 18. So, you know, she's a, she's her own woman, but Sammy Smith, 18 years old qualifying in, in 13th and yeah. she didn't make it incredible on, but you know, come on an
1: incredible performance and her whole story, like we touched on a little bit. I don't know if that actually made the air uh or not but she has this like an incredible story it's actually like not just an incredible story it's like kind of head-shakingly crazy uh she's not just a cross-country skier and where she's based and everything is i don't know hard hard to believe but we, we can we we yeah. don't have the bury the lead on that because maybe Nat's cooking up something good for that but um we'll get that let's too. move on let's move on to the the 20k for women Uh, And I want to start with the women. It's too bad because they were both great races and we we probably should have like finished with the women, but I'm just so excited to talk about it because I loved it. Uh, First of all, like the course on paper and you look at the profile, you look at your kind of like middle altitude, uh, kind of deeper in the season. I kind of thought like, is this going to break up? Is it not going to break up? But based on what you're seeing in the sprints and how small the hills were, uh, they weren't small, but like they were, Kind of like interesting in the sense that yeah it's going to be incredibly, incredibly, incredibly difficult to break away on this course. And we got that on the women's race. Like it, it was, man, they were just slugging it out out there, especially Frida and Diggins, really trying and Ebba Anderson, actually trying to distance themselves and and couldn't. Yet didn't stop trying all the way to the end. And I don't know. I just thought it was an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal race to watch. Super exciting. And you have two American women in the top five. I mean, Sophia Lockley has the best, the best race of her career in in fifth. There's no question. And I know she's won the Alpstramise, but like Alpstramice is a sideshow. I'm sorry. Alpstremice is a sideshow. This is a real deal world cup. And Sophia Laukley in fifth, and the way she skied it to fifth was a phenomenal performance. Um, I have to give a mad, 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 mad props. It's almost like hard for me to believe, but like Lilian Gagnon of Canada, Holy ninth, ninth, 16 seconds from winning, 16.1 seconds from winning, has not been top 30 in international World Cups here. Like she has been getting the floor well, not the floor wiped with her. She's only 22 years old. She's going to under 23s here. So, but this was a breakthrough performance. The likes I've rarely seen in, in, in my lifetime, I, I was so moved and she was skiing so well with so much confidence in that league group looking with poise too. like just comparing her to a Rosie Brennan that like from like 6k Rosie was like in the hurt locker and looked pretty bad like technically not skiing well and like hurting bad and somehow Rosie squeaks it out to come seventh which is amazing um but yeah and then and then the diggins blowing the doors off Frida in the last 100 meters after Frida was skiing so so well and and uh man this race had it all and now since you had to dip out for P I tried to hold the monologue going but we're gonna get hate mail about Kershaw shut up so what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I just that that race was like it was riveting and I watched it last night. I like kind of had picked up on the results, but like still um <clears throat> and, you know, a couple just additional observations. Like I also thought that that race from William Gagnon was awesome, like stars born shit for sure. and And just wanted to like add because I. You know, she was in uh, Planitza World Championships last year and actually was in Anchorage for the um, for the Super Tours earlier this year. And so talked to her a little bit. And I just like I I really I think she has this it feels like she has this kind of French Canadian attitude that I feel like. I see in Alex Harvey and in Tony Sear, where it's like, this is their job, it's their life, but also there's just like a little bit of this, like kind of floating over everything and not sort of getting too wrapped up in the emotion of it. I don't know, it's just like, it it feels like she has a little bit more of like a presence than your average, athlete and, um, just sort of seeing that performance, it's like, it's, I think everyone should be excited about that. Um, the, the other thing that I really was thinking about was the, um, just the difference in the way that Jesse Diggins and Frida Carlson ski and like exist in a ski race, like Frida Carlson is. Just sort of like the cyborg out there, like nailing all her angles, looking like a million bucks. And Jesse Diggins is like Jesse did not look good at the end of this race. You know, she was at the slight. end. Well, I'm gonna come in here at the end. Jesse
1: rarely looks this bad technically in a skate race. I don't know if it was the icy conditions or or, but especially. I agree with you. I know where you're going. At the end, I'll let, I'm gonna let you finish or sort to of jump yeah. in because I agree. <laughs> I agree, Jesse it's rare in skating lately that Jesse looks so bad technically. And I'm so glad you're bringing this up because there was so many shots of like a Frida Carlson and Jesse. And you're like, how is the one with the blue suit? No question, hands down the best skier in the world this year, unequivocally. And the one in the white suit is like a shadow of the one in the blue suit. Cause it doesn't make any sense. Well-
0: and this is what I want to talk about. So one also was watching Jesse slide these corners that Frida was still, um, uh, stepping around. But then the thing that I actually wanted to say here was like, we've talked about this a lot and, and we've had a lot, you know, we've heard a lot from people about it. And I think this is an area that always can use further discussion, but I'm going to, put it out there. I have not ever sort of said this from my own standpoint before, but I think we've heard differing opinions from us and from listeners about like, does Jesse Diggins go harder or does she just look like she's going harder? And I just, I think you gotta say after a race like this, like I do think you, you can't say that all the women or all the men on the World Cup go to the exact equal depth of the basement right like it's just not plausible like clearly anyone who's racing skiing professionally like has a high pain tolerance and like i'm not gonna like shit talk any of them and say they're not some of them try harder some of them don't try as hard as they should but you watch that race and like i think there are other athletes that would have let had to let Frida Carlson go and that Jesse finds something in the tank and then is able to like call on that fast switch muscle fiber at the end of the race to, to, to drop Frida Carlson. And I just, she went went to the dark side. I mean, she went totally to the dark side and I I will
1: say that like a, a Jesse Diggins, she wears her heart on her sleeve. So how she's feeling all this. And that's why she has legions of fans and is like the biggest Thing since sliced bread right now uh, and, and the best American cross-country skier by far right now ever um, so it kind of builds in her legend but I get it because kilometers from the finish line Jessie was shattered and yet because she wears her heart on her sleeve like she does you, you know you're not going to count her out and you know she's going to be in it to win it and when she came off the turn after looking like a junior racer, technically, and then opened the sprint. Even with raw, rough technique, it was uh, no question she was going to beat Frida, which is something to be said right now. Frida was on the podium in Oberhoff in a classic sprint, and like I said, was in the final of a skate sprint yesterday. Like, she's on day. fire. She's on she's, fire. She's on fire and looking good and, and also is goes super deep in the basement and like, and yet Diggins performance was incredible. And I think I'm going to like throw, throw um a bit of accolades at Rosie too, because like Rosie, I'm serious, man, go back and watch it. a kilometer three. Rosie she was like, not look good. I'm like, Rosie's going to be like 30. Like Rosie looked like shit. I mean, she was like dropped at times because Frida and Ebba were trying and Jesse for that matter. We're like drilling it. And like Rosie was not hanging on to anything out there. And yet finishes with a grimace in seven, in seven. So like these women, especially the American women are like, so phenomenally inspiring to see. And like Sophia Lockley, when you were peeing and I was ranting, I think was the best race of her. Uh, I think it was the best race of her whole career. I, I thought it was incredible. She looked so good in this terrain and looked so comfortable at the front end of the sharp end of this race. And this is just something that like, she doesn't have experience doing this. Like she doesn't. And and this was some phenomenal stuff. And then Nadine Fandenik before we go to the men's race, which wasn't quite as exciting as the women. That's why we're using time. Like we are with the women. Nadine Fandenik, 20 K skate. Are you kidding me? And speaking about a never say die attitude, like it was like a podium, like 1.5 K to go. Like she was in the lead group. She was like looking like good, really good. It's like, wow, man, she's having a great day, but like podium, I don't know. And getting that distance and like kind of almost like trying to come back on the Frida Carlson and Jesse. She also was a never say die. And I just like, when you have a women's race like this, I don't care what the gender is. When you have a race like this, we have all like all, multiple women that are like turning themselves inside out to get their best performance on the day. It makes for really captivating and compelling stuff and they're doing it differently. Like, Lillian never been anywhere close to this level, looking like she's been there every single weekend. Like, I mean, the the complete opposite of a Rosie or Jesse. I mean, like Lillian looked like she had so much poise out there. Like this was, this was like, uh, this was no big deal kind of stuff. And until you know her history and you're like, wow, this is an immense deal. And yeah, I don't know. This race yeah, had I it all. Know. This race had it all. It was it was incredible. It was an incredible, incredible race to watch. I
0: love and, it. And and the one thing I just wanted to say about Feindrick, I think is you know, the added bonus of like doing that in front of a home crowd, like mark my words when we're still doing season 20 of the Devin Kershaw show in 2038, they are gonna be like four Swedish women on the world cup that are going to be like, yeah, you know, when I started ski racing was after I saw Nadine finder get on the podium in goms. Cause that was yeah. like, you know, this is why we have races in different places. and Exactly. And-
1: totally. Totally. And this is why, hopefully you guys will get to see that in, in, in uh, yeah, totally. in, uh, Minneapolis here. Like this is, this is what makes it's compelling stuff. I loved it. It was amazing. And the men's race. Yeah. Okay. Maybe like a little less exciting, Oh, uh, good man. I still liked it. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. It it was a little, let's be honest. It was a little less exciting than the women's race. Uh, just, just how, how people were racing. But that said, it was a good one too. I totally, totally agree. Similar kind of stuff with the women. Like on this course, you're just not going to get a distance. You're not going to get away. So really you think like the table set for Claybo to just win, but this uncertainty of Claybo shape after being sick and that sort of thing. Like you just, it, it still makes for, it makes another storyline uh, 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 in the narrative, which I appreciate in men's cross country skiing. Cause God damn, they need new storylines in their narrative. <laughs> and this one had it. And to see Kruger too, man, Kruger is back and he made this race. Yeah. Like almost, I felt sad. Like I almost like, I was like, I was a bit bummed seeing that last like coming into the stadium and around that sweeping left-hander going like Kruger made this race. He's back. He's had a tough season. He's been like just squashed with illness multiple times this season already. He needed this and he did it. And yet the guy behind him looks like a million bucks and is laughing. Cause he's like yesterday was no gimme that he, that he had a uh, pipped Shanava when you're sprinting against Kruger in the last hundred meters and you're on this clay boat, like it doesn't matter if you're a half master or not, like you'll blow the doors off him. And he did, but uh, just a phenomenal race by, by Kruger to, to to distance himself on a course that like, you can't just, you can't get 12 seconds on a course like this in a mass start. And somehow he did. And then Jules Lapierre, we've talked about this so many times, but I, I, because the Americans do it too, and the Canadians, but like, the French know how to celebrate like transcendent performances. And this was a team performance. And listen, LaPierre beat Harold Osberg Amundsen in the yellow bib to secure this podium. It, it was in a mass start. And he, LaPierre is not like a wily, strong, great sprinting athlete. Like this was a crazy performance by LaPierre. And you saw how much it meant to the to the French team, Mach in fifth, to, and uh, the young Italian, like Iliad Barp in seventh, and Beta Klee. Did you see Beta Klee like
0: pumping? Yeah, don't, don't, but finished, don't, eighth but eighth. don't skip over Richard Juve also, like finishing yeah, eighth. In, I mean, the whole, yeah. It's crazy. So it was, it was I it had a lot
1: of, it had a lot of, uh, this, this race had like a lot of. Gus experience. Schumacher placing 14 ahead yeah, of amazing. Bermuda.
0: it
1: was uh, amazing and this the the schumacher has just been so 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 solid and then of course good to see scotty too like patterson in in 18 uh we haven't said his name a whole lot and and tony in 22nd i know he'll be disappointed with that but i mean he was right in there and the the real estate was uh hard to come by in such a tight race with all these corners and of course that you can't kind of get any distance so i thought it was a thought solid performances there but I, i think it's it's a Scott Patterson, you know, like the guy is like I was really good to see him in 18th on a race like this, because I don't know, man, like, I think all those guys, some, not all those guys, but some of those guys in Alaska, especially the old, the OGs, a la Scott Patterson doing like 14 hour runs and eating like one granola bar type thing and drinking out of glacier streams, like yeah, you get to be a hard man and you can win like Mount Marathon and stuff, but it hasn't served him well all the time in the world cup, but the guy's taking his licks and I'm really glad he's hanging in there. And I'm really glad he can get paid for like the work that he puts in And 18th. Yeah. I know that's not what he wants or dreams of. Cause he has top tens at uh, uh, championships, that sort of thing, but this is something to, to build on. So it's cool. It's cool to see Scott like uh, back in the game. I have to give a shout out also to, um, Sasha Masson, he's heading to – he was 36th, and we have a lot of young guys that – Canada had a lot of young guys at this World Cup because they're heading over to the Under-23 World Championships. I'm not going to do a huge rant on this, but I I really want to, but I'm going to leave it. Um, But Sasha Masson is going to Under-23 World Championships and uh, does not get a whole lot of starts. This is kind of his first European tour on the World Cup not kind of like this is his first and 36th place man for your first ever. And you're an under 23 athlete. It's a great tune up for the, uh, for the under 23s next week. So I I was pretty inspiring stuff by him. And and, uh, he was, yeah, it was a a great race by him and the other Canadians. I mean, we're struggling. What can we say? Like we're, we're struggling, but uh, they're young and
0: you know, they're just going to have to take their licks. So, we're done with racing. You thought you were going to be able to go to bed, but I got three other things I got to get off my chest, and I'll I'll go quick here, Devin, because you got to go to school. Like it, I don't want these poor diseased Norwegian folks to be suffering when it's your responsibility to take care of them in five years. But uh, really quickly, um, Norway not bringing the like anyone who's not in the red group to Canmore and Minneapolis. This. Sucks and I hold fists and the sort of broader I no, you don't think so? Uh, I mean I think
1: it's like I don't hold fists accountable whatsoever. I hold the ski federation accountable. Are you me? Like I'm reading in the newspaper and on the news, like the ski federation bemoaning budget. Shut up. You're the New York Yankees. Yeah. Sometimes the New York Yankees hurting for budget too but you're loaded like somehow the u.s finds a way to keep staff and athletes in europe from the third week in november the second week in november till like the late march shut your face you can't take world cup medalists over for world cups in north america and yeah i know it hurts a bit stronger when they're north american races because you know like we're north american but, like, if this was in Japan, they'd be the saying the same thing, and I'd also be ranting on them the same thing. If your budget is so blown that you can't bring medal contenders, not just medal contenders, World Cup winners, yeah, like J.P. Jensen, e. yeah, to, to, to races that suit them, maybe you should walk into your offices in Oslo, Norway, and look around at your administration and how bloated your staff is and go, like, maybe we don't need, like, Forty people working for the ski federation right now. If we're if we're truly in a budget crisis, and we should put the money into the athletes.
0: Not not to mention that it's like a crisis in Norway every time Norwegians sweep the podium. And you know, ostensibly we need to be doing things to like build the sport and all that. No, no, but
1: I mean, but... like, so I agree. Sorry to jump in, but I mean, like, no, it, it no, no. Fault. It is not this is no one's fault but the ski federation itself, the Norwegian ski federation. This is a, a joke that you're leaving world cup winners at home because they're not in the red group to get the fist money. Shut up. Look at every other, look at every other country's budget. Like fuck right off Norway. Like don't blame it on the budget. Cause if you are,
0: it's just, it's just like, it's laughable. It's like, come on. I'm stu- I'm stoked. We got like 10 F bombs out of Devon in like the space of two minutes here. Okay. So the, the next thing, um, I'm going to read some numbers here. 47, 39, 48, 44, 42, 45, 41, 40. Now I'll read another set of numbers for our European listeners. 84976754. Those are Fahrenheit and Celsius temperatures forecast in Minneapolis for the next like 7 days. And folks, let me tell you, they've got I I talked to the head of the OC today uh, organizing committee and, you know, they've got seven caves skiing, but they can't make snow at night when the sun is shining like this. And like, man, the snow control, uh, the final sort of test from the International Ski Federation is on Friday. So cross your fingers because this is like it just it feels like a nail biter. We could say more about that. The last thing. I want to talk about here is this um, Associated Press investigation of U.S. Biathlon Association and Joanne Reed, an Olympian who was uh, I think we can at least say it was alleged and I think it was pretty, it was documented by Safe Sport, which is sort of the the watchdog agency for bad behavior in sport that she was sexually harassed by a wax technician and um, this story is like on the spectrum of like stuff that has happened to athletes. Like we're not talking Larry Nassar. We're talking like persistent, sexualized, obnoxious bullshit behavior that in some ways I think was easier to tolerate. Um, but the, the statements and the stories that are told by Joanne Reed and backed up by her teammate, Deidre Irwin, Some outrageous comments being made by U.S. Biathlon staff, according to these women, in response to their complaints and allegations. There are differing accounts between the women who say they began making reports in 2019 and U.S. Biathlon Association, which says it reported the conduct immediately as soon as it was alleged in 2021. I just I, and and USBA not sort of naming explicitly apologizing to Joanne Reed. Like I am enormously disappointed by this. I have heard and spoken with some folks in the biathlon community who are outraged by and upset with and disappointed by US Biathlon Associations response here i gave them an opportunity to sort of address this and share any like additional information or context if they wanted to before i went off on them on the podcast and i did not get anything um that i could use um and this is all happening at the same time that uh u.s biathlon association's former chief executive now the head of the international biathlon union is literally on the stand at a corruption trial in norway talking about how um he heard all these rumors about the former president of the International Biathlon Union uh, and his uh, desire to have prostitutes and hunting trips. And so, man, I was really excited to like get more into biathlon this year. And I like I just I it's so I'm so disappointed. And I don't know if you you know, like I think. This stuff is always complicated and there are many sides to a story, but you like, I don't think you can discount the, the accounts of these two different women. Like they don't, people don't, women don't make this shit up. And the response here was just so underwhelming by the organization, both sort of in the moment and, and today that I just like, it sucks. It's devastating.
1: Yeah, it does suck. And here's what I'll, here's what I will say to this because like, this is a problem that's happening I mean, it, it happens in various degrees and it's happened for a long time and And programs need to get their shit together in their head of their ass, uh, obviously. But in this particular case, I cannot believe an executive for USA Biathlon goes to these lengths to protect like some bitch-ass tech. Like, sorry. Like, <laughs> this is the easiest thing to remedy. Like, yo, homie, like right when it happens, sorry, not sorry, or sorry, that's fine. But just be like, you know what? We're, we're in the US. This ain't Eastern Europe. Like, you got to find another job. Ciao. Right. E- this is not like, no, but this is, this is, this is not like, this, <laughs> this, yeah, it's not a Hall of Fame coach. This isn't a, this is the, the this is replaceable this is so replaceable and Bathlon doesn't even have any classic races. I mean, come on, how hard is it to wax skate skis? That's a bad joke, but it is hard. It's crazy hard. But the fact of the matter is these kind of things should be very easy to nip in the butt in the butt, no matter, no matter how, uh, no matter what level the person's expertise or accolades or what they bring to the team. But when it comes to like critical players of a, of a, uh, squad when there's sexual harassment where people feel unsafe this should be the easiest thing in the world to take that contract and just be like ciao ciao go find another job Go f-. if you're good tech you'll find another job but you're not going to work here and not not under the 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 framework and our integrity that we have here the fact that they they <laughs> didn't do that right away. Is insane. The fact that they had multiple opportunities over years to just go like, bro, go roto brush some other skis, that they chose not to do that, and now they're in this mess. Kind of hard for me to feel sorry for you. Like you guys are fucking idiots. I mean,
0: what can you say? We'll see if we leave that last part in. But um, okay, yeah, okay. okay, I can,
1: I can walk it back. But nope. it was, it was a missed opportunity to show yeah. some integrity and like professionalism. That I think we can agree
0: on. All right, Devin, is it uh is it time for bed? Oh god, it's so much time for bed. You're going to have a lot of editing for uh for this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Devin Kershaw show. We'll be back soon.